So we're in the second of our mini-sermon series called All Kinds of Prayer. Uh, and I mentioned online and I mentioned last week that though the series might be mini, the sermon isn't necessarily going to be mini. And our focus is from Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. There we are. Which says this, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And so we were discovering last week that prayer is not one size fits all. That there are many ways to pray, many focuses. Only one God to pray to, but many ways to pray. And we were saying that that verse really says to us is let the Holy Spirit direct your prayers. Be sensitive enough to the moving of God in your life that he will open up opportunities for all kinds of prayer on all kinds of occasions. And today some of our prayers might have been a little bit more formal than we're used to. We've never been in this situation before where we're praying for the change of a monarch. At least most of us haven't. But we're talking today uh, about all kinds of prayer. Last week, I'll come on to that in a moment, but last week I put these words up from Leonard Ravenhill. I want to remind you of these words again, where he says this, no person is greater than their prayer life. Nothing can replace prayer to keep our spiritual fire burning. Failing in prayer, we fail everywhere. So prayer is fundamental, prayer is foundational, prayer is the lifeblood of our faith. Prayer can be fulfilling, prayer can feel like we've got the fire of God in us. I said last week that prayer should be our first choice, not our last resort. That so often when we face challenges and practicalities and difficulties in our life, we try every human way of sorting it out and then prayer as a last resort. I want to remind you this morning that prayer should be our first choice. Prayer is where God changes us. Prayer is when we stay close and we have a conversation with God. For those of you that weren't here last week or didn't manage to catch up online, quick reminder about where we went last week. We talked about Jesus teaching about prayer, the confidence that we can have to, to ask, to seek, to knock. A confidence we were saying not in ourselves, but in the one that we're praying to. And that how many of us carry that confidence in our prayer life. We talked about persistence, the parable of the persistent widow, not giving up too early. We talked about the stonemason, if you remember, who smashes that great big boulder and wants to work on it and he hits it a hundred times and nothing has happened. Then he hits it that hundred and first time and suddenly a split goes through the middle and the boulder is rent in two. And we know that it's not just the hundred and first hit that has split that rock. It's all the hundred before it as well. And we learned that we needed to be persistent in prayer. Then we talked about humility as well. That the prayer should focus on God and not us. We should be talking more about God and to him than about us in our prayers. And never think that we know how to pray and everybody else doesn't. And then we looked at two Greek words. 
for prayer, we looked at this word prosuke, which means to be upfront, to be close, to be personal. And this revolutionary thing, like I hinted at earlier, that the God of the heavens and earth, we can call our Father and we can pray to him. And as close as Tex and Rosalind are sitting there this morning, one to whisper in the eye of the other, into the ear of the other, rather. My body part's a bit wrong there. As close as one could whisper into the ear of the other is that relationship that God invites us into. And then the word desis, the second most common word for prayer in the Bible, like a person's cry for help. And this morning we're switching focus from Jesus and we're looking at two or three instances in the life of Paul, the apostle. And what his attitude towards prayer can take us. And the first one, uh, it's really taking that step of confidence one, one place further. And Paul talks about authority. He's writing in the book of Ephesians. He's writing the book of Ephesians to encourage a church who hasn't particularly done anything wrong, but a church to go deeper, to reach higher, to serve more passionately, to be even more the body of Christ than they are already. And so he says these words, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us. Paul is saying every time you step into a conversation with God, every time you call out to Jesus, you are engaging with somebody who's able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think. He does that through the Holy Spirit living in us. You know, I'm, I've been so convicted these last couple of weeks as I've been reading these words on prayer. I'm thinking, why... Why aren't I praying more? Not out of a sense of duty, but out of a sense of delight. Why aren't I praying more? Not because I'm desperate and I need loads of stuff from God, but because I just want to communicate with him. I want to connect with him. If God can do abundantly beyond anything that I ask or think, aren't I foolish if I don't want to step into that? And then he writes to the Colossian church. And he's, and this, the Colossian church needed, they were a church that needed to be wary of false teaching. They needed to be reminded and brought back to a hope that could only be found in Christ. And in this verse, Paul is using another Greek word, aiteo, really meaning to ask or to demand when we were talking about confidence last week, we were saying, isn't it a bit, you know, we're not talking about arrogance. We're talking about confidence. Here, Paul is talking about authority. God has given us authority to pray in the name of Jesus. God has given us authority and access all areas past to him to be able to communicate and connect with him. So to this messed up church in Colossians, Paul is saying this. For this reason, since the day we heard of it, we've not ceased to pray for you. And to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. I wonder if Paul was here this morning and we said, Paul, when you say we have not ceased to pray for you, what do you mean? 
Are you on? Are we on your monthly prayer list? Are we on your weekly prayer list? Do you just stick a couple of praying hands on your WhatsApp group to say that you're praying for us? We have not ceased to pray for you. I'm not sure that he means 24-7 every waking moment, but I reckon he means every time he and his team prayed, and they prayed a lot, the Colossian church was not forgotten. So the first thing that, we, that Paul points us to is this confirmation of the confidence that Jesus gave us last week. This authority. Jesus is no longer walking on this earth in person, but we are authorized to pray in his name and to receive all the blessing that that entails. And then the next thing is what I've called petition. Paul writes to, we read some words from 1 Timothy earlier, and here they are. Again, I urge then, first of all, that requests, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for everyone. We can confidently ask. We can ask for ourselves. We can ask for others. The word there is entuxis. It, it means intimately talking together. It's only used a couple of times in the New Testament, both by Paul. And it's again that sense of intimacy and communion with God. I wonder if we said to Paul, remember he's sitting there and he's already told us that he's not just putting his praying hands on WhatsApp. If we said, Paul, who do you mean by everyone? What would he say? Do we got to literally pray for everyone in the world? Impossible, isn't it? Or we could just say a general prayer. I think he means that nobody is excluded from our prayers. God is going to bring some names and some faces into mind and we deliberately want to pray for them. We might see somebody at the bus stop who's not looking too great. We could pray for them. We might see a situation on television or an, an, uh, some news item and we could pray for that. We can hear about something like the situation in Pakistan and we can pray for those people. We can look around this room and see somebody who needs prayer and we can pray for them. But when we're really tuned into God, we can use that authority that he gives us to pray for people that we might know and we might see every day and somebody we might see for an instant and never see again. But we can pray for them. And Paul is talking about, well, afraid it's almost like falling into God's presence, jumping into God's presence, but praying for yourself or particularly asking for a friend. So Paul talks about authority. Paul talks about petitions, not being afraid to go to God with our requests. But here's a great tip. It's always better to praise before you start asking. I don't, think, I don't think our prayer should always be the shopping list of our needs and requests. It's always good to start reflecting on God, who he is. And then when you pray your list, actually he might answer some of your prayers in ways that you don't expect. 
but he'll not answer them nevertheless. And then Paul talks about intercession. We read these verses last week. This is a great comfort for those of us who wouldn't say we're great prayers. Put your hands up if you don't think you're a great prayer. That's me. Am I the only one? Oh, there's a few. Okay. We've obviously got some world-class prayers amongst us, but not enough. Paul writes in Romans and reminds us that when we don't know what to pray, the Holy Spirit inside us groans on our behalf to God. In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for those with groans that words cannot express. You might remember some of your most powerful and heartfelt and even painful prayers were the ones where you actually didn't speak anything. That you just were there in God's presence and you didn't know what to say, but you sensed something was going on because the Holy Spirit in you is groaning on your behalf. Isn't that incredible that God should care about you enough and me enough that his Holy Spirit in us as a deposit, as a seal to say that yes, we are God's, as a comforter, as a guide, he's also an intercessor for us. The Holy Spirit inside me prays for me, groans for me when I don't even know what to say for myself. But Paul encourages us to take that stance and say, you can operate in that realm for the lives of others as well. It's the word, the, the Greek word there, you see it, huperentuchano, probably pronounced that wrong. It's the only time that Paul uses it. It's that idea of falling in line on behalf of somebody else and coming to their rescue. I wonder how many of us are the product of somebody else's prayers. I wonder how many of us have got a praying grandmother or a praying aunt or a praying dad or a praying friend who's prayed for us. I've talked to you before about people in my life who said we pray for you every day, not out of a sense of arrogance or boasting, but just for me to know that I'm being lifted up in prayer. That's why I was only half joking when I was talking about Paul putting those praying hands. It's an easy thing to do when we come onto WhatsApp group and many of us put genuine prayer requests on there. It's a very easy thing to do to click and put praying hands. I'm not saying don't do that, but I'm saying please pray that prayer that those praying hands symbolize. And for me, I find this, if I don't pray there and then, I won't stick praying hands on. And sometimes I'll put my prayer in a couple of sentences into the text so that I know that I'm doing that. I don't trust myself to say, yeah, I'll pray that prayer and then walk off not having prayed it because two days later I go, oh no, I promised to pray for him and I didn't really do it. And so let's not take lightly the invitation and the request to pray for each other. Let me tell you one of my favorite intercessory prayer stories. And just as an aside to say that um, I've asked Tracy to pull together some of you who really believe that you're called to intercede and to do that on behalf of the life of the church. And so we're going to have an intercessory team in the autumn where those of us who need prayer requests or things in the life of the church, we know we've got a team who are really love and feel that God's spirit is on them to pray and intercede for others. 
I can find this story. It's a very a famous story told by an American preacher and writer, Tony Campolo. And you may have heard this story. He was speaking at a Pentecostal college chapel service. And eight men, the, the leaders of this college, had taken him into a back room to pray for him before he was going to speak. And they asked him to kneel. They laid their hands on his head and they began to pray for him. Except the more that they prayed for him and the longer they prayed, the tireder they got and the more they lent on his head. So he's got eight hands pushing him down. And uh, he said, Tony, Tony Campala said, to make matters worse, one of the men wasn't even praying for me. He went on and on praying for somebody called Charlie Stoltzfus. Dear Lord, you know Charlie Stoltzfus. He lives in that silver trailer down the road a mile away. You know the trailer, Lord, just down the road on the right-hand side. Lord, Charlie told me this morning he's going to leave his wife and three kids, step in and do something, bring that family back together. Tony Campolo said, by this time I'm getting annoyed. I'm supposed to be speaking in this meeting and they're praying for this guy that I've never met. So eventually the Pentecostal preachers get off his head. He preaches the message. He drives home. He says, as he drives past the Pennsylvania Turnpike, he notices a hitchhiker. He picked him up. We Tony Campolo says, we drove a few minutes. And I says, hi, my name's Tony Campolo. What's yours? You know what the man says. My name's Charlie Stoltzfus. I couldn't believe it, Tony Campolo said. I got off the turnpike at the next exit and headed back. Charlie got a bit uneasy with that. And after a few moments, he said, where are you taking me? And Tony Campolo said, I'm taking you home. He narrowed his eyes and said, why? Tony Campolo said, because you just left your wife and three kids, right? That blew him away. Uh, yeah, that, that's right. With shock written all over his face, and Tony Campolo said he was, he plastered himself against the car door and looked, never took his, his eyes off Tony Campolo. He said, it really did him in when I drove right up to his silver trailer. When I pulled up, he said, how did you know that I lived here? And Tony Campolo said, God told me. When he opened the trailer door, his wife exclaimed, you're back, you're back. Tony Campolo said, then I said, with authority that God had given me, the two of you sit down, I'm going to talk, and you two are going to listen. Man, did they listen. That afternoon, Tony Campolo said, I led those two people to Christ. Isn't that an incredible story? And so, Father, we want to take intercessory prayer seriously. We want to realize the gift and the responsibility that we have to pray for others. As we draw this sermon to the end, and we're going to pray together in a moment, here's a helpful framework for you for, our, for your regular prayer. I put this up before, but I find this really helpful. In your quiet times, in your daily devotions, if you don't quite know how to pray and how to structure a prayer time, here's a great way to do it. You see it spells Acts. If you can remember the book of Acts, you can remember this structure to pray. That we start always start with adoration. The focus is always on God, not on us. And by the way, you hope you know that the Bible is the greatest prayer book ever written. So if you don't quite know how to 
give your prayers a praise and adoration, then look through scripture and just pray some of God's word back to him. Use the Psalms. And then confession. Perhaps it's an old-fashioned word that we don't use enough of putting ourselves right with God, asking for God's forgiveness for the things we've done, the things we should have done that we haven't done, the things we've said. And then thanksgiving, attitude of gratitude. Just list before God the things that you're thankful for that day or every day. So much power in being thankful before God. And it's really only when we've gone through that that we get to prayers of supplication, prayers of intercession, praying for ourselves, praying for, for others. And that's a helpful little thing. You might want to write that down or have it at the front of your book, of your, your Bible or whatever. But certainly for those of you who think, I'd love just to know what to pray and how to pray. That's a little structure. Don't be held by it, but be helped by it. So here's, here's our challenge. What's our challenge? Well, if we continue to use the words of Paul, devote yourself to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Remember, we're a church that's learning what it means to be devoted to God, devoted to the fellowship, devoted to others outside. And prayer is integral to that. And then Paul, as he writes to, this, to the Thessalonian church, pray continually. Devote, continue, be strong, never give up. So it's not a quick prayer and a forget. Watch, being watchful and thankful. Watch what's around you. Today, this week, could you watch your life around you and see how God might be prompting you to pray? What can you be thanking God for? Pray continually. I think that means constantly recurring. Prayer is more than a five-minute start to the day or a kneel at the bed and a two-minute end of the day. But prayer is continual and constant and consistent in our lives. You know that Jill and I are very involved in the nation of India. Uh, and uh, we have a school that we support out there, pastors that are training, uh, children that are being educated. And uh, the pioneer of that family, there's about 30 of them in the family now all involved in ministry, but Victor was his name, he died a few years ago. Victor was the first of his family to come to faith. And uh, I traveled to India, got there on the day of his uh, remembrance service. And one of the young men in the family said that he was given the duty of cleaning so many cleaning Victor's body before they dressed him for the coffin. So then he was wiping down Victor's body. He wiped his legs, and as he wiped the knees, he noticed two massive calluses on his knees. Why were they there? Because every day at 3.30 in the morning, an alarm would go off, Victor would get out of bed, and pray for a couple of hours uh, before he got on with the rest of his day. And the calluses on his knees were a testimony to his prayer life. His son Prasad, one of my closest friends, would tell the story of being a young child, how frustrated he was when the alarm would go off at 
in a small village house. And his dad would wander over to the side and kneel and start praying. But as a result of that example, above everything else, Prasad and all the pastors that he works with, they are prayers. And quite often I will say, I will get a text or a message to say, Nigel, our pastors have gathered today for prayer and fasting. They've been praying for you. If I've been ill or in a significant moment of my life, I've had a text that says, we're praying and fasting for you today. We're interceding on your behalf. The nation of India today is called a national day of mourning uh, for the Queen. And I'm sure that Prasad and his pastors will be praying and interceding for the nation of the UK today. One of my favourite writers recently, uh, you've heard me speak about him before, is the American Rick Renner. Rick Renner is in Moscow and he writes this about prayer. I think, does he? Oh, it's not, okay, I'm going to read it then, all right. So it says this, Stir up your passion for prayer. Make the decision, I'm going to learn how to maintain an attitude of prayer throughout each day. With God's help, I'm going to pray every time I get the opportunity. At each and every possible moment. And I'm not going to give up until I see what God has said come to pass. I just want to say this to some of you. I think when it's hardest to pray, when it's hardest to pray, perhaps that's just the time when we should pray the hardest. When it's hardest to pray for ourselves, that might be just the time we need others to say, would you pray hard for me today?